Welcome to An Abundant Future. I'm your host, Matt Powers, and I teach people all over the world how to live more regeneratively, to partner with nature so that they can have an abundant future for themselves and their children. So today we have Tigray Pickett of Ecology Artisans talking about his work with his wife, Lola, and the amazing work they do rewilding. This is kind of a new format for us. I am being interviewed by Tigray, and I also kind of interviewed him. So it's kind of like this discussion where we're interviewing each other about each other's business and about each other's perspectives. So you might really like it. There's a lot of information we cover here. We cover rewilding relationships, rewilding families, rewilding schooling, businesses, all sorts of things. So check it out. Instead of that negative climate change story, I'm telling what we should be telling, which is how awesome we could make the Earth. The Earth can be unbelievable. The complexity of possibility is mind-boggling once you crack that lid. The problem is no one is cracking that lid where anyone can see it in our society in the grand scheme. In the, in the mainstream. No one's really... Like Western sh- mm-hmm. culture. And, and they might be doing it in China because we've done so much. I mean, 500,000 square kilometers being rewilded is insane. He's referring to Dennis Liu's work in the steps of... Yeah, and so that started off as 35,000 square kilometers, turned into, uh, no, 15, and then turned into 35. But his work was only that thir- documenting that 35. And the mm-hmm. World Bank, America uh, companies, and China partnership was that. But what happened was every other province was like, what are you guys doing over there? It's amazing. <laughs> and so what they, what they did was they literally changed Chinese law so that if it's, above tw- if it's at 20% or above, it has to be trees. It has to be vegetated. There can be First never slope. any grazing on it. And then suddenly you've got landscapes everywhere cleaning the air, tying together erosion, the Los Plateau is not providing the silt that the, the Yellow River named Yellow for the silt, which is the reason that their eyelids go straight down and don't have that flap. It was a 10,000-year-old problem that they literally adapted to physically. We, we'd go blind because of our eyelids in their area. They've adapted so that they won't go blind from that. We'd depth. have to pull a Burning Man, show up as Burning Man attire to get by to live there. Yeah, we'd have to have our, our covering our covering of the guy. Yeah. But, you know, I grew up ski racing, so I don't mind raccoon eyes. It's fun. Um, but we, we have examples right now in the world right now of people who thought they were going to starve and their children were going to starve and who now wear suits as they work in their, in their, like, their fields and they're standing up straight and they, they exude hope. We, we, we are like... A few years away from an explosion of our culture, an explosion of what's possible, and an explosion of nature around us. We just have to get to realizing what's possible because we don't collectively realize. Um, and that's so, all it is. So we don't collectively realize a lot, and I think that's partially due to our the atomization that culture wants to do where we pit each other against each other and kind of the more um, competition versus cooperation mindset in a lot of ways. 
Do you agree? Do you feel like that's kind of the yeah. thing yeah, that's well, holding that's us back? School. That's training. And you know, why are there so many divorces? <laughs> why, why did I have a practice marriage? And why did well, my wife have a practice marriage? There's a direct correlation. Um, most of us are, are taught to um, be friends with people our age. We're taught to um, associate and compete with people our age. So suddenly the convention of being able to marry someone younger or older gets kind of smushed. Not, not totally smushed. People do it all the time. It just Especially gets, as you age. Right, because you get let, let go of that schooling that you don't remember school as much. But they force you in a lot of ways to associate. Uh, and, and I mean, they literally force you to associate with your yeah. peers and then the ABC thing, right? They, they have the A group, the B group, the C group. They track you. You're only in that A group. So, you know, the people of that modality teaching that school, maybe they're, you know, um, a certain demographic and that mm -hmm. appeals to that demographic. And so they excel. And then people not of that demographic struggle because they're learning the demographic as they're learning the lesson. And so suddenly they, the, you have these, you set things up so you create classes. You set things up so that within those classes you're creating competition between sexes, especially when you set things up like English class separate from history. If you combine the two, suddenly the boys would be interested in English. <sighs> For real though, it's like the smart guys are like all about history. Smart girls are amazing in English, even if they hate it. <laughs> yeah. so so there's there's there and there's so much interplay uh where we could push those into different areas besides just you know logical intelligence and um verbal intelligence i mean there's seven other intelligences that we know of so we're we've smushed how you can express yourself who you can express yourself to and then we've made you guys fight over grades and belittled each other and create we've created all this mess on purpose um because we believe that story of survival of the fittest when we now know that the hierarchy within um, our ecosystems doesn't work the way we think it does because you could have a microbe which is a lower order being <laughs> um that gets really messed up genetically modified or something and then the soil cycle could be screwed up for nitrogen and then suddenly you're messing with protein and then suddenly herbivores and then carnivores and everything else in between gets a, gets shocked and then may i mean it, you you could destroy an entire ecosystem that way hopefully it was on an island please don't spread those things but but <laughs> But people are doing these kinds of things for real and they're experimenting and just like, I mean, what, what, I mean, the equivalent of what I just said without genetically modifying um, intentionally is unintentionally, which is all the nuclear um, waste, the nuclear mm -hmm. tests we did. Because we're genetically modifying things when we do that. So yeah. we're radiating everything and different genes in those pools and those water and those islands going crazy or in Nevada. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the end all be all is that we need to partner with nature in a way that's productive, in a way that honors nature, in a way that allows us to be normal um, and bring it into our society in a way that's normal. 
um, and bec because if, if we can't all have that definition of it being mainstream, we're not going to be able to make the big changes that we need to, like pulling all the high school kids out um, to go work in the um, the national forest every other month. We had two to three weeks in camping with those kids. They'd learn a lot of skills. They'd change, their so the social order would completely radically change. They, it would be super bonding. They'd be the closest generation we've had um, ever in America, because they'd be all working together. They'd be healing the land together. They'd be preventing forest fires. They'd be restoring biodiversity. Um, mm -hmm. We need to sell the mainstream a story of hope, something that can go on the Today Show and then people can go, wow, I want to do that tomorrow, and then start doing it. And that sounds awful to some people. People are like, oh, I hate that. And I'm like, that's rapping. People got upset at me the other day because I used the word should. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't <laughs> use the word should, you're saying. And they're like. Don't should on me. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Matt, you can't do that. And I'm like, wait, you mean I shouldn't? You know, so it's like it's like these words are just wrappings for different things. We have to get to the basic patterns and address the basic pattern. <laughs> uh, we need to honor each other's freedom, you know, uh, and liberty. But at the same time, uh, be free to speak and express ourselves. Yeah, and don't be a, a grammar Nazi or a, a word monger. And I, I, I catch myself, too, because a lot of the work that we end up doing is avoiding putting an undue pressure on people to be something that they may not be ready to be or the the version of themselves that is within them but due to whatever circumstances traumas experiences it's being held back and to throw i think where the shooting on someone where it becomes a, a negative is when you are giving it so that they feel like oh i should be doing this i should be a better person i should guilt. be a better parent and then yeah then guilt comes in and then corrodes and you feel shittier and that's why i was an alcoholic i was an alcoholic really because of guilt um i felt like uh i just felt bad about myself and felt that i was bad and couldn't stop drinking so i felt bad about that <laughs> and so the vicious cycle yeah, and so when I was trying to stop and couldn't stop and it was really like a panic situation, I was like, ah, when you realize you're powerless, whoo, that's a panic situation. Um, I, I, this is the reason I became a Latter-day Saint. Uh, I went to a meeting and they said, well, it's just unhealthy. You're not a bad person. And I was like, what? And I was like, I'm not bad. And they're like, no, whoever told you that? And the thing with guilt, and they were like, and that's only just a, a nudge to get you in, into forgiving yourself and just becoming what you're supposed to be. Because if you feel bad, that means you wanted to do something. Well, just go do it. And then stop feeling bad. And I was like, mm. is this is how you guys live? You just do that? And so I just was like, wow, I can just forgive myself. And I hadn't encountered people that did that in my life that just allowed themselves to just... Um, adopt a new pattern and be free of the old pattern in such a clean way. And so mm. I just was like, holy cow, let me just sit here for a moment, you know? And other people are doing this, finding it in other places and everything, but it's just that, that recognition, right, of our power and of our being able to say that we can. Because it's us saying it. In my classroom, that was the biggest thing, is I never could force anyone to do anything. 
and I told them that and they were like wait you mean you're not gonna like give me detention and do that and I'm like dude if you go crazy and do something like like hurt someone like that's out of my hands of course you got like in trouble yeah. and it's like but like if you just don't want to write that's on you I mean you're not gonna gain anything though we're asking mm -hmm. you to write about your dreams right now what do you want to do and they're like right it's gonna help me I want to do this and I'm like yeah and they're like I want to write this is weird and I'm like <laughs> I'm just here I'm just here you know we I'm just a vessel for you brother <laughs> or <her> sister <laughs> But yeah, that's what I, I truly believe that we have to try to do that. And it's hard. Um, I haven't done it with couples, um, really. I, do, I, I work really well with individuals, probably because I was taught one-on-one. -on -one. Um, hmm. I wasn't homeschooled, but I, kind, I was taught one-on-one -on -one by professional teachers at a boarding school that had 20-minute classes <laughs> instead Whoa. of an hour-long class. It was hyper-focused and half the day. And the rest of the day, I spent ski racing, training, lifting weights, and running. And awesome. it was really, really, really fun. It was a co-ed dorm, and I was the youngest kid. It was nuts. <laughs> that sounds pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, Killington Mountain School back in its heyday was really wild and fun. Um, but, but yeah, maybe that's why. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm good at working with people one-on-one -on -one and working in groups um, allowing people to create groups and allowing people like systems to make people feel free. But with your work, you're working with couples, right? Uh, yeah, we, we work uh, across a pretty wide spectrum. We do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work because it's that safer kind of, you're more secure to it, start expressing and peeling back the layers and being seen, which is always a tough experience for people. So that's the majority of the work. But yeah, we also have done some couples work. We actually did Heat Pray, Heat Pray Love, which was about how you actually create your own romanticism about yourself so that you are then available to prey upon in the sense of prey, as in capturing your um, love in an authentic sense, and then huh. the love aspect of actually keeping it alive and aflame and lit as oh, you go yeah. through the various cycles of romanticism and exiting the honeymoon effect, although some people like Bruce Lipton claim that if you find the, the right partner, you can actually maintain a honeymoon effect much, much easier. But yes, oh, yeah. we do the couples work two on two, as we like to call it. We've done that a couple times. Um, haven't pushed it as much, but when it shows up, we're more than willing to, to share kind of our story. And we do it a lot of times just us being us, Lola and I, because of our story. And we literally, honestly, We've never had an actual fight or shouting argument. We've had disagreements, but I think because of our practice marriages before and having the trauma of fighting and not actually being fully in love with the other person due to the stuff that we've done to each other within it, the abuses of respect and trust, whether they were known or unknown, they're always going to be felt, um, has given us the power to be able to express ourselves in a more authentic way together so that we don't recreate those patterns because we we truly do love each other and we, we wouldn't hate to see that that would I would I just would feel horrible and I've already felt horrible when I was so um, 
anal about which rag in the kitchen she was supposed to use to clean down the counter. I was like, no, that one's for hands and for like dry clean stuff. This is for the counter. And I had been, I think, harping on various other small things because I had just gotten back from being on my own. So I was fully in charge of myself, fully in charge of what I did. And I'm sitting here being like, no, this is the best way to do it. There's no other way to skin this cat. And she just was like, before I react and shout and scream and call you a MF or whatever, I'm just going to actually remove myself from the situation and go outside and calm down. And as she left the house, I'm sitting there then going into my meme brain saying, oh gosh, what am I doing? Why did I say that? It's a, it's a stupid rag. It's a rag. Why am I? And she came back in and I was down in the dumps about like, I'm just a, just such a jerk. Like, what, who am I? You don't deserve me and all this stuff. But we came together and found that, you know, I don't need you to tell me how to do everything. I'm a grown woman. I know what I'm doing. I lived on my own. I was the main breadwinner for our, my family before. You know, there are other ways to do it. And if you do have an input, share it with me in a more productive way and not just like needle, 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 needle. I was like, yes, I'm sorry. And we've had those cycles, but that has been our undercurrent is respect and just this crazy love that we have never found before in our own lives. Yet we do feel that it's something that other people can tap into. And then people's work like Bruce Lipton helped confirm that in a lot of ways. So we do that work. And then we also do group work, mentorship work, where we actually have either online courses, much like the one that you're just launched today. Congratulations. And that one was Tribal Attraction. And we've done other ones like the Heat, Pray, Love. She's done her other ones. She has a women's group mentorship called Earth Keepers Council, which we're actually going to be opening up to a co-ed, so both sexes mentorship in this next year. And it's going to be even longer because we found that the way we hold space in these places really creates a sense of safety for people to unwind and dive really deep, which in a lot of ways, I wish this wasn't needed. I wish we didn't have to be spending our energy on these things, but it is the condition that we're in. And it's what we found time and time again helps pull people up so that they can be their beacons of light in their communities. And like we were talking about before we started recording, how we're all touching these very small pools and puddles of humans. But as we touch those pools, they usually lead to rivers, which then connect us to greater bodies of humans. And I think that's what we're on the cusp of. So between all that, we also do retreats as well, where we take people who are interested in medicine work, like ayahuasca or Wachuma, which is San Pedro, or even um, psilocybin work in Mexico, Oaxaca, to engage with these entheogens because they are a fast track to a lot of healing or at least an, an under tapping into the undercurrent of what has been kind of dictating and shooting on you internally hmm. or holding you back. I and always saw that as like a loosening um, and an, uh, and an instant objectifier so that you could see outside your moment and be when you come back, you're like, oh, well, this is all here waiting for me. Hello. And so, that's, you know, and the same sort of thing happens when, you know, you go for that trip abroad 
you come back with an accent and then there's all this other stuff that people put on you and you come back and you're like, huh? Oh yeah, you want to, oh, this person, I forgot you exist. You know? That specifically um, happened to me. I went to, so I found permaculture through the Barefoot Architect. Okay. And it's by Johan von Leggen. If you haven't found it, I highly recommend grabbing the book. You'll absolutely adore it. And he originally wrote it in Spanish for Mexican, peasant Mexicans, and it was called Arquitecto Descalzo, which means the shoeless architect. You know, the, the, you have no shoes, barefoot. And it was simple, simple drawings, line drawings. He was an architect from Belgium, I believe. And simple phrases, like not long paragraphs. It was just nice. literally like, take the bamboo, peel it, or whatever the treatment was. Do this, do that, you have a house, you have a community. It was basically permaculture. So I, reading that, tripping into the word permaculture, I'm like, I've got to be doing more with my hands and tapping into nature because I feel really distant from her being a web designer and a graphic designer. Uh, so yeah. my practice wife at the time, who's half Chilean, she's like, I'm going to go after I graduate to South America. You can come along, but what are you going to do? Because she was going to tap into her Chilean roots, and I was like, that's cool, that's awesome. And she point blankly asked me like you can come but you have to have a purpose I was like I have to have a purpose I feel like I've never weird I've never actually had anyone ask me my intention or my purpose before and I went to Princeton and I you know was top a good student in high school was a champion swimmer like all these things and I was like I know I've made decisions to be these people but I never like felt it so viscerally as something I need to look at I was like Okay, so I thought about it and I was like, I'm gonna go study on organic farms and woof and find out what intentional community looks like and behaves like. So I went down there, spent a year and a half there, amazing experiences, came back and my best friend, literally, I was telling him all these amazing stories, like stories that will blow your mind. And it was 15 minutes in and he was kind of like, so when do you wanna go get tacos? and wanted to keep me in this old person. And I was just going, I can't wait to get back to Peru because I was on like a hiatus coming back to <laughs> see family. And so I very much feel you on that. Wait, you're this? And they want to kind of replace you in that pigeonhole. Yeah. And what year was that? I left in 2011, came back 2012 and winter and then came back again finally in think around thanksgiving of later that 2012. so are you still friends with that friend yeah we're, we're we're friends i actually went out and visited him in austin and we hung out and it was great and it was great to catch up um was it different this time it was a little bit i felt i felt more secure and calm we actually had a pretty much like a stop talking to each other really in a lot of ways just because his way of interacting is different than my way of interacting. He likes being on instant messenger or texting a lot. I'm just not a texting person and sharing random internet gifts and memes. I'm just, I got so much other stuff going on. <laughs> I appreciate it. I find humor. I definitely do. But there's times where I'm like, I don't have time to put myself in that space. And going to shows and music festivals and everything, which I did when I was younger, and yeah, I still I do can't like do that. I just can't we went, even do it. If you do go to one though, go to High Sierra in Quincy. It's family friendly. You can bring your bicycle. It's much more of like a jam band style music rather than like crazy mainstream whatever popper 
EM, EMD. Um, and it's wonderful. It's beautiful. So I really love that. Yeah. But, I'm like so intimidated by like the huge trance, like, like rave permaculture well, stuff. I'm like, well, I probably will never <laughs> go over there, but it looks really bright and I could get a headache from the light. <laughs> and then, and then that's where, you know, you, you find your niche in it. You're like, I'm a daytime person. So when everyone's just kind of like mellowing out on whatever substance that they want to be mellowing out during the daytime and the, you know, oxidization of the sun and the disinfectant of the sun is there to help calm the crazies, then I can show up and maybe impart my wisdom. And maybe that's a space <laughs> that you'd be. But when it comes nighttime, that's when you go find and hunker down your little womb in the straw bale house so you don't yes. hear anything. <laughs> you got my number, nine o'clock. <laughs> I, 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 like I like to have everything shut down at nine o'clock so that I can just uh, read a book and have that like uh, pre-1995 um, like moment. But you know what I mean? It's like there exactly is no cell mean. phone. There is nothing going on. No one can call me. It's after nine. It's what year are you born? I'm 82. So, I'm 81. So we're so, the same. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's but remember that it's like you don't call after nine. There's like all these like different things. Oh yeah, you don't call during dinner. Like everything. Yeah. What's dinner time? That's so fluid now. Dude, <laughs> I I'm aghast at some of my family friends. We're in a Waldorf school. Our kids are. And I love it. I highly recommend you seek out a Waldorf school. Not all are the same. Everything's different. So don't slap me. Be like, Tigray said I should do this. And it was horrible. Should. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying look into it. That's all it is. And the, one of the families, they get their kids to bed at 630. And they're on the dot with, you know, he's military and Marine. So that helps a little bit. He's got that discipline. But our family, like, what was we just doing last night? We did a mishmash of daughter wanted cereal, son was fine with his mac and cheese because we're just getting through our last box because I'm done with doing that. I'm just so tired of doing it, but he likes it. It's Annie's, so I, I wipe away the fact that it, hopefully it's organic and there's no phthalates in the dry powder like there are in craft. Anyway. I am um, with you, my friend. <laughs> and we talked about this before, and I appreciate that you make all your whole foods for your family given the, you know, the Crohn's and the cancer that you've experienced. Um, but you know, it's like by the time food's done, it's 7.30. <laughs> it's like, okay. And the day before, maybe it was 6.30 or... So it's a little, it's crazy how just atomized and fragmented our systems are. So I appreciate when we can have the kind discipline to say, no, nine o'clock's my shutdown hour. This yeah. It's my me time. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, with our family, I, I, my, my son will sometimes be awake and reading and I'll go to sleep. <laughs> um, and that's that's okay too I mean I stayed up really late as a kid reading tons of books I read thousands of books before I even uh, got into middle school um, wow. I, I, I love reading so I, I just always let it slide I mean I the thing is he is I can see him doing it so it's different when I was a kid I was in a separate room mm -hmm. um, from my parents um, we're living on the road right now basically yeah. So I got to so do a lot of co cohabitation. <laughs> yeah. Co sleeping. And, and, you know, we did co sleeping forever. Um, we're a really strong believer in skin on skin time. Um, it's what's natural, it's what's genetically encoded, it's been mm. proven. Um, people have revived babies this way. 
Um, there's such power and connection. Um, Native American cultures uh, were a big part of my being a teacher. We didn't have uh, Spanish speakers, which I know that's hard to believe in California, but we actually had tons, uh, you know, proportionate-wise, uh, Native Americans, and they celebrated their culture. And I really liked the idea early on that they all co-slapped. Um, mm. And and so we, we just let the boys stay in the bed as long as they wanted to. Um, and James was there until he was six. Excellent. How does that work with um, having intimacy with your partner? Well, what you do is 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 you time things differently. <laughs> I mean, realistically, if you live your full day and if you're working hard at nine o'clock when you go to bed, you're not restless to do that. Oh no, there's many times where I'm like, I love you, sweetheart, and you're beautiful, but. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I literally fall asleep in under five minutes every single night because I Lola. Uh, yeah. Lola could count me down. She, when she first started dating me, she had like the restless mind syndrome because she's, she's very active with that. And I would just, I gave that up in college. I used to do that same, like sitting on your back going, uh, dun, 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 running through the day and the shoulds and the coulds and the woods. And I remember one time I was just going, I'm not doing this to myself. This is ridiculous. I'm not making any progress. It's just, I forget it anyway. I'm going to sleep. And I finally just gave it up, kind of cold turkey. And so she was so shocked. She would go, when your head hit the pillow, I could literally go five, four, and you'd be out by two or three. So it's your intention. And, you know, I taught my little brother how to stop dreaming. Well, I taught him how to lucid dream, and then he chose to stop dreaming at age 11. Wow. It was like super crazy, but it's intention. It's all about intention. He had, he had, he had, nightmares regularly it was in the middle of my parents divorce you know and he was like 11 when it happened transition phase for him and a huge you know what I mean? transition phase on top of that with the family so it was super hard on him but that you know what i mean like that kind of thing you such power over your mind that's awesome yeah not always <laughs> but for that one i just did not want i didn't like it i just always felt so just it felt like a waste of my Precious time to be getting some rest. Circling back to um, heat, pray, love, I totally agree with this concept, and I just want to reinforce it um, that we have to love ourselves first um, to love other people. Otherwise, we're using other people's love as like redemption for ourselves, and it creates this like um, addiction to them almost. And it's mm -hmm. a super negative form of love. Or and it's crutch. like, you might recognize it. Um, do you love me? Like those kinds of things, like scarcity models around love. You know, it's like, love is here. <laughs> love is always here, right? You can't have scarcity. It's like, are you exuding that love? Are you showing love? You know, mm -hmm. are you... Um, yeah, so, so yeah, we have to start with ourselves. Um, and, and I mean, I think it's a lot easier for men, for the most part. I might be generalizing, but I'm pretty sure it's easier for men. Um, but women really need um, to be in the headspace, in my experience. Um, because, uh, like you said, um, they need to love themselves in order to love other people fully. Uh, and so they... they I, I mean, women are more complex in a lot of ways than men that I know. 
um, in my experience. <laughs> no, I don't want to upset any men. Um, but like, it's just, um, there needs to be that recognition and honor of the place where these, these acts and, and rituals and openings of ourself, you know, exist. Uh, their settings or contexts. Um, mm. They're not just physicality. Though, you know, those memes online really boil it down to physicality, don't they? If your prostate needs to be healthy, you must be doing this this many times a week. And it's like, no, well, you just take the sacred and just turn it into a number, you know? <laughs> you take the magic out of it. Yeah. You take the, and I, I was actually, I like what you were saying about the, and I totally 100% agree about the loving yourself and, you know, really healing yourself if you have traumas and coming to a place of the forgiveness, the stuff that you came to with your alcoholism and, and that work. It's the same with myself. I mean, I, my trauma was having a practice wife who had opened our marriage as an excuse to secretly date her coworker. And then from there it was, I want an open marriage. Okay. Six months into being married to you, you want an open marriage. Well, maybe there is non-scarcity in love. I started reading books on polyamory. I started diving in like, what is this? Like, I'm kind of aroused by this op option of being able to express and have sexual relations with another person. Um, okay, maybe that's just the human nature. You know, we had lots of wives or women had lots of husbands and depending on the culture and where, like that's just yeah. what it was, all these, you know, things. And you start reading the, the book, um, I can't, the Slut Manifesto or whichever one I'm blanking on it, but starting to get into jealousy too. Like jealousy is actually like a non-evolved form of you being like scared and fear, like let go of jealousy. So there's all this crazy <laughs> stuff on the internet that I start reading. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, this is okay, but it does take open and honest communication. <laughs> and it didn't actually happen that way. So I had to heal from from that, the things I had already also done to herself, to her and other people, um, I had to go through a lot of that stuff. And I think the only way that Lola and I, because people will ask us, because we met online, they're like, oh, how'd you guys meet? Like, what, what web dating service was it? It's how about we, in case you want to know. Um, but it's like, it's not the tool. Same thing as in permaculture. Oh, you use swales. Oh, that's going to solve my water issue. No, 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 no. It's observing, it's listening, it's tapping into the deepness, it's balancing the rational with the heart, it's passionate, it's doing all that and coming to a calmness and then a creation of what you want to give this world, what you want to leave as a legacy anonymously, not with your name emblazoned on it. That, once you get to that point and understand that truth and are honoring that truth, then I think when you find the person who is going to be your love or the person who you're going to spend time with and commit to, I think that's when you can find the authentic person. So I had given up on dating and that's when I was just flir like flirtatiously spending time with this girl that was Mormon because I thought it was just bizarre and odd because she was like, didn't drink and it was just bizarre and odd to me. But then her roommate, who is an inactive Mormon, I met and I instantly recognized her. 
and it was weird. I just knew her, and I was like, ah, you're a punk. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I know you. You're a punk. And I just totally knew her, and I just, within two days, I knew she was my wife. And three weeks later, over margaritas, I'm actually said, I love you. Uh, so embarrassed. It was like, I was 23. You don't say those kind of things at 23, right? Not in New York City, right? Yeah, and not so, in New York City. Right? And so I was like, Uber, like, uh, and then she like, you know, caught me in that moment and said she loved me too. And then like three months later, I woke up in the morning and turned to her and just by accidentally asked her to marry me. And she said yes. Um, and so like all these things just like came out of me. They were like, like just bubbled out of me and they, and they were true. And I heard myself say them and I knew they were true. This is why it's so important we get people to verbalize things because when we say it, that's the moment of commitment, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. That's why affirmations, I start my day with affirmations. I'm actually writing a, a, like a book of affirmations right now. Awesome. Um, and I actually kind of think we need to all write our own. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, no. I agree. Well, that's, I, I like that you say that too with the, um, A, the verbalizing. I actually, in, I had a divine aperture moment in May 13th of 2013, which adds up to 13, which is the number of wholeness. 12 tribes of Israel form one to create one. There's 12 disciples of Jesus, plus Jesus is 13. There's right. 12 months, make up a year, yada, yada, yada. But there's um, 13 cycles in the year of the there's moon. There's 13 cycles in the lunar moon. So yeah, and then but that's the end and the culmination. So it depends on how you want to structure it. Right. Um, and that, that just was like, whoa, what's 13 all about? And so we fell down that rabbit hole. But as I was kind of healing some of my my own wounds, I realized that verbalizing was like concretizing thought and emotion and getting it out there so that it actually creates an actual stronger vibration. And if everything is vibrating at a subatomic level and even at a non-atomic level with our hands and dance and lips, then you've now created something that sound waves travel until they're absorbed. So they're now gonna hit something and it's gonna be absorbed into the fabric of life rather than just staying in a heart space or a head space too. So I think they have that physicality. So I appreciate that you see it too. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that when we don't verbalize things, our brains are like, um, well, our brains are like soup actually. <laughs> and uh, our working memory reaches into that soup and organizes it for our brain to use. And we have this organizing memory, which we call our mind, but there's all this other stuff in there. And we don't, we don't realize it until we have something really bad happen. Or, and like, how did that person do that? And it's like superhuman strength. Or that person's compassionate side coming out. They're like, that guy was a jerk. That's incredible, you know? All these different things come out um, in those moments. And I just think that, um, yeah, we just need to reach that modality. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I think that's going to, be what helps people feel whole is, you know, not everyone has to be partnered up with someone. A lot of people find great wholeness in just their own, their own person. And, but those of us who are seeking that type of connection, I always encourage people to, and Lola does too with her work with our clients, is really look at 
have we gotten to the foundation, the stable foundation of who you are so that when you get rejected or something odd happens, it's not so destabilizing. Right. So I do this too. So it's like organizing the person. I'm doing this right now in week one of my course. So if, our, if we're not organized in our minds, we actually can't dig through that soup of our brains and use it properly to communicate to the person. And so what will happen is you'll show up in an unorganized mind or self or whatever you want to call it, and you'll go on this date and they'll be like, wow, this is great. And you're like, I organized my mind for tonight and it looks great for tonight. I'm really good at organizing it for this date. And then like it goes back to the soup and then impulse, right? And it's this impulse soup kind of brain that we've got to get over and we have to decide how we want to be, how we want to act and where we're going and who do we want to be with, what we want to study. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things to ask, but, but like I totally see that as, as a huge issue. So they, you come, basically as you, as you keep reacting, all these different weird things come out of you. And, and so you have new situations constantly with this new relationship you're in. And so these weird patterns are coming. I mean, I had to pull out so many patterns, um, uh, you know, out of myself uh, growing up. Um, and then I had to pull so many patterns out in my marriage. I, we did marriage counseling that really helped um, recognize, because I mean, I never saw my parents kiss. Um, mm-hmm. I they, they they were divorced at you know 26. My mom did an incredible job. Um, my dad was focused on you know being doing leadership things and in that capacity, yeah. But I didn't understand what relationships were or what, and they'll all readily admit this. I didn't see what a working marriage would have looked like, should have looked like, um, and so or could have looked like. Yeah, right. And so like I had all these weird wonky patterns and I was like, whoa, I'm acting like my dad. This is weird. And so, you know, pulling those things out is part of finding our, our self. And, and what that means is that there's other selves in us, other patterns from other people, other impressions that are kind of like photographed onto us or shining or shadowing onto us. And we need to like peel those layers. Up. And that's why it feels so good to go through courses like yours or, you know, go through week one in my course. Uh, my, my course is more business oriented, but we start with the self. Um, oh, no, the tribal attraction is actually focused on attracting your tribe for your business. Nice. And I love that. I actually was looking at your, I watched your video last night about how did I get here and I really appreciated it. And then I was scrolling through your um, your website for the course and I was looking at your, your weeks and we did eight weeks for ours. Um, and the first one, we actually released a free video, which was organizing yourself. Yeah. And it was, it was literally, I told people, because I'm, I'm not, you know, I still have stuff randomly, like my desktop's not the most, most pretty in the sense, but I at least have a certain organization so that when I want to find a file, it's efficient, I find it, and I'm not spending all this wasted time searching for it. So I actually did a free um, screen share of like, this is how you set up Google Chrome, this is how you work in Apple Finder, because we're Apple people, and here you go. And it was so funny to see the conversations in our course of being like, I just never wanted to look at my desktop or my file structure and yada, 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 and I was like, and here's how you can create your bookmarks for your, like, this is how you do it, I recommend you start on a fresh slate, and I wanted to do that same thing, just like you do, so that you are saying, like, guys, 
so that we don't pull in this other stuff, this other pattern, this other behavior later, which is going to sabotage us. Oh yeah. Let's build the foundation. So I, I really appreciate that. And I was looking at your, your outline and I was like, that's awesome that there's so many similarities of what you're talking about. And it just gave verification as to, I was like, great, we were on the right page because someone as brilliant as yourself is also coming to these same conclusions in teaching these modalities and this, this business uh, input. We should have uh, one of our graduates one time when we're ending at the same time, we should give one graduate from each, each other's course. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm totally down with that. I would love to see it. Um, we're actually we'll going to be... Their, we'll get the, their feedback and see what they think. <laughs> and you're going to... Are you going to be doing this Evergreen for this course, most likely, you right? You know, this Once course... I... All right. So this course is actually kind of unique. So the thing with that is I need to be there to facilitate, to answer questions. And I also have a half, a half hour of consultation built in. And it's... I mean, I... I just feel so strongly that with these kinds of things, I need to have hands-on with the kids or the, the adults. Uh, I still think of them as my, my students as my kids. Um, uh, but which like is my, great because it puts them in a childlike state, which you kind of want. And that's why we like, you know, that's why play the word play is. Yeah. And I see our... myself as a kid, too. So it's all fair. Um, but I see myself as a facilitator of a game we're playing. And so mm -hmm. the videos are video prompts. I, they're, they're, they're things that I'm introducing to start discussions, and I don't even couch them as like what you have to do. I couch mm -hmm. them as like, these are best practices. I'm gonna show them to you, we're gonna talk about them. You know, doing this causes this. Research says it does this. And then, and then I invite them to do it, um, and then discuss it. And, and then that becomes them owning it when they're like, oh, I'm doing this with goats. And, this is what's going on and I'm amazed that this is what I'm coming to, you know? And so, and then the person who's doing bananas is like, well, I'm doing this with bananas and using holistic management and it's causing this to happen. And so it's, we just got to get people to internalize it by doing that. So I really feel strongly that I got to be there. I might actually take permaculture uh, gardening off uh, evergreen every once in a while and do it myself just so that I can have my Keep hands yeah because the thing well the the reality is is that people have so many questions just based upon semantics and or, or climate semantics uh, is probably a, a really good one too um so mm -hmm. people are like but wait i'm in san diego too and my site's not like that at all and so it just becomes this thing where everyone wants it to just match what they're doing and no one wants to go to the principles and I kind of have to ride with them through the breakers and go, no, mm -hmm. that won't get you there. No, that's not going to get you there either. And so they're like, holy cow, you got to swim? And I'm like, you got to swim. And they're like, okay, I got to realize, dig deep, hold all the principles in my head at the same time and look at it through them all so you see all the colors in the painting. Because like, that's what's going on is people can't hold all the principles or all the lenses in their head at the same time because they want the swale. They want, where do I put the swale? As Javin said in Rex last week, um, it's, it's the same thing. You know, people want the quick answer. Um, they want to they instantly understand what you're saying. They want you to say it in their language. Um, and I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean their, um, their, their specific language. I mean their modality of the English yeah. language. 
So uh, you got to wade through it with them. And so that's what I'm doing right now. Um, and, and part of it is, is I know it's going to make me better and I'm going to be calibrating going through those dozens and dozens of different perspectives. And I'll be always going back and redoing the, because this is what I do with live courses. I redo them. Yeah. Um, because I can, because I just did it. It'd be fun. The, the thing that, so the way we structured it is we have a membership platform. We're WordPress based and we did it live too. We actually created the course content as we ran the course. Did we that once, were, well, twice. Yeah, it's stressful, right? It's a little much. It's a little much. So we thankfully were two of us on this one. So for Tribal Attraction, we we're up front with people. We we're like, look, this is beta. We're going to be creating this course with you as we go. So like, you know, take it or leave it. That's how it's going to be. And we ended up creating. So that also allowed us to be a little bit more responsive to what the conditions were. Also still keeping in mind like the greater kind of avatar of a student and keeping it global outside of, you know, Mac PC. And Have you, um, I'll keep going. Oh, and I was just saying, so we did that and we have the modules. There are two weeks per module and we have identity, we have message, connection, and then experience as each of the kind of overarching archetypes of what we're going to be talking about for those two weeks. And in it, we have about eight days of video content or a long written piece that was writing about whatever that topic was and kind of either it's like mostly a lot of tutorials, but also just reframing the mind space and the heart space around what they're creating as a as an offering and what they're what they're you know yeah basically offering what are you selling and what are you providing value for which is what i really appreciate in your video too like you have to provide value to get value and we do that and then we also have an interview with someone in that space that we see as being a leader in that identity or message or connection so we do that one-on-one -on -one video so they see that and then we also have a open q a session call as another day so it's five days during the week so there's 10 modules or 10 pieces per module wow. and oh yeah it was, it's crazy it's it's definitely worth what we charge for it um and then we're answering questions in the comments we invite people to share with us links to their mood boards or their vision their canva creations their logo designs whatever and then we provide feedback on it and it's evergreen in the sense of you're a lifetime member. So once you sign up for the course, you get access to all the future improvements to the course too. Um, jumping back to kind of more of our questions, I would like to go back to kind of, we've already talked about it a little bit in the sense of finding yourself and building your foundation, but what have you found to be kind of the keys to finding your, your own wholeness and creating an authentic happiness for yourself? Well, um, the ability, well, first of all, knowing who I am, I'm a third born boy. Um, and so, uh, I was drawn to music because I got attention. And so like understanding what gives me value, um, and then aligning my life with things that actually help other people while doing that. So like, I loved being on stage. I love performance. I love music. I still love music. It's a little bit more personal now. And I do it in all my, my videos. All the music and all that stuff's me. 
but um, but it's a very personal thing, and it's mostly something I do with my my sons, um, and it, and I'm setting up to have my son. He's he's an amazing piano player. He can play guitar and play drums, so uh, I'm just really kind of focused on him with that. But I realized early on that I was a person that loved to share, to be heard. Um, but at the same time, I felt hollowed out by being a musician because it was so empty. It was like, yeah, you got heard and it, it wasn't your song. So you got heard, but it wasn't your voice. It wasn't what you were doing. And I wrote an album and it was more like therapy than it was um, like commercial. And, and yeah, one of the songs was, was pretty kind of popular, but I just couldn't keep going as a musician um, because it was this environment of taking and me 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 and it wasn't nourishing to my soul and uh my family centers me and my wife is um is is a very very strong personality and she really balances out a lot of my strong personality (laughs) um and we're very different um but we're an amazing team and a lot of people see me up front doing a lot of things but I'm discussing most of it with my wife and a lot of my best ideas are tweaked or come from her. Um, and like we call it team brain. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so for me, what centers me um, really helps is, uh, is my routine, um, taking care of my mind, my body, my spirituality, um, reading things that nourish um, and center me, um, keeping me away from guilt and ego um service to others is is and quieting my irritation my frustration releasing all that meditation um those kinds of things really give me the peace i need so that i can feel whole um i think those things are kind of clearing the way um, but the way I felt whole was using permaculture to help people in a way that I know is actually going to help them in a way that I know is not like, it's not my story. This is the story of them. I'm reconnecting them with who they are to empower them and free them. And mm-hmm. so the whole thing, I grew up playing music, you know what I mean? And it was like, this is my song about my feelings, you know, and it was like so different. And so I feel whole because I feel my community, both micro and macro. Um, and I feel it beyond just like people. I mean, my community is fungi. Like I feel connected to fungi. I feel connected to the trees. Um, and the plants and I feel so connected to animals and I never felt this way as a kid I felt amazement I was like whoa look at that but now like a bird comes up and I'm like hey what's going on and the bird's like talking to me and tweeting at me and stuff and like trying to tell me something and I don't know what he's trying to say but then I like stop and I pause and I'm like oh your nest is right there and I'm like holy cow there's a nest in this bush there's a nest with eggs in this bush. And she's literally talking to me about this nest in this bush. And I'm like, okay, I see your eggs. I'm totally gonna respect that. 
we we had these baby birds born outside of our window this spring uh, when we arrived at this house, and it, it was the most incredible. I saw a hummingbird and this bird fight a a falcon or an eagle or something, a predator bird. Um, it was a hawk. Yeah, it, we fought this hawk and saved the baby birds. And I've never seen birds work together. It was like a Disney movie. And I was like, you guys let me see this amazing thing. And yeah, I feel connected to it all. I really mm -hmm. feel connected to it all. And that's why I feel whole because I've, I feel like I've, I've touched upon the truth. I mean, we talk about the spirit, right? In so many of these religions talk about um, in these indigenous cultures, how there's this syntropic force behind everything there is. Regardless of whether you call it science, nature, forces of nature, or, or, or God, or, or uh, you know, fungal father, or whatever you want. Um, it's there. It's real, and we can interact with it, and it makes us better. Because you can see it. The proof is in the pudding. These people go out and partner themselves and do all these good things. Um, they feel good. And then the things they do are better. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I, I saw that. I recognized that. And I just started digging deeper and deeper and deeper into it because it's like, you know, man, the surface right now of our society is hot. You got to dig into that sand deeper to get that cool, that cool sand, you know. And that's just all we're doing, I think. We're just helping people dig deeper. And does that mean that, like, we're as deep as it gets no 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 no. we're just like there's cooler sand here let's dig deep and they may dig deep f further than we do you know that's the hope <laughs> yeah and that's that's definitely our hope too is you know we're constantly learning we lola and i will look at each other and laugh we're like there we are just like this whole house buying process that's now in its seventh month almost um of trying to get this land that literally has spoken to us and we've squatted on it in certain aspects and I've fixed the pond from bursting its dam because it wasn't built right and all these things I've done as a non-owner. I'm literally trespassing, helping this land not unravel further. I'm weeding it and doing all those things and you know that balance too, not trying to put so much value in it so then it goes outside of our ability to own it and to be connected to it has been really helpful but we're always in that learning stage and I'd there's no way, you can't know it all, there's nothing to know it all, and why should you know it all? Which is part of the issue I have with reductionism and rationalism is a sense of, if we take the watch all the way apart, we'll finally understand how it all works. Never mind that we've taken it all apart. <laughs> yeah. And are we gonna put it back together with the same magic and mastery that the artist who put it together in the first place did? And I would much rather just know that there's, there's stuff that we don't need to know. And well, it's what, what genetics are right now. I mean, we keep every couple of years, we keep reproving that we don't know enough to be genetically modifying things. Um, there's mechanisms at work here that seem spiritual. I mean, they're talking about the fact that there's a molecule or something in between the world and our reaction to it. It's like our body's reacting to our perception which means that our perception is controlling our genes, which means that we're not our genes, we're our perception. And we can control our perception, which means, holy cow, we can control our genes with our minds, which seems crazy, 
crazy to the, the yeah yeah but that's just the beginning i mean because like, that opens up the whole thing and it's like well and then you have you know fungi where they're like there's six nuclei it's fluidly choosing between the nuclei where's the brain what's what what what, what how do we classify that you can't classify yeah. that in science it's not anthropomorphic enough to say like oh there's the nervous system oh there's the, re the digestive system oh but it even goes beyond that like there's nothing like that that we have in nature where there's multiple nuclei. It doesn't make any sense. They, there's, no, there's no current explanation for what is going on. Um, there's guesses for like where the Spitzenkorper works, which is this exploding tip to the hyphae, which is super cool because it's, it's like, that's why it breaks concrete apart, right? Because the, the point of the hyphae is explosive. It's uh -huh. so much force. It can lift like a truck, like a Mack truck. But, but at the same time, it's contained in the tip. How is that happening? And they, they don't understand. They, they don't understand. There's theories that um, there's bioelectrical things going on, which is super cool because it can instantaneously change the position of the presence. The Spitzenkorper can change sides, so the presence of the hyphae can change any place in the hyphae. Wow. Yeah, it's totally crazy because that's like tele we're talking about teleporting. You know, um, that would be the teleporting of the consciousness within the body, which is almost like in effect like the one-inch punch power of Bruce Lee or something along those lines, where you're taking this manifestation, this real focusing, and then explosive elsewhere. Yeah, that's cool. I like Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee is excellent. I've really appreciated a lot of the videos I've re-seen recently of him talking about um, consciousness and, and humanism or humanhood. I like to refer to, um, I have a blog post that's still in the ways of writing because I don't know if I've really fully wrapped myself to it, but saying that, you know, we have boyhood, childhood, womanhood, manhood. Why don't we have a humanhood? Why don't we have this final coalescing of it because it gets back to what you're talking about too with the women needing to embrace a little bit more of the rational be a little bit more in the mind not so much in the full emotional heart in some aspects and when you said that i was thinking back to what a lot of what we talk about and what you know all these spiritual practices talk about too which is balance and it's not that you know a lot of the people who are f afraid when someone says smash the patriarchy uh you know, bring back divine feminine. It's not, let's just replace a king with a queen. It's let's have the king and queen co-team braining it and bringing it to fruition. You know, it's yeah. not all Lola's work here. It's both of us. It's not just yourself. It's your wife and yourself. Yeah, um, and there's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. I mean, societies traditionally, um, most of them had men having to prove themselves. <laughs> and then women, you know, didn't. And what what's going on with that? Well, um, I I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the creative power, uh, the fact that um, women have it foisted upon them, right? Um, and, and men, it's really you know, much much. It's very different. Uh, they don't have to carry the baby around. Um, but women grow up realizing they will have to carry the baby around. <laughs> They're already carrying half of it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, and so, like, for instance, in, in my religion, we believe that women don't need the priesthood because they are already partnered with the divine. Hmm. 
And so it's a beautiful it's, perspective. It's the men that must prove themselves to be clean, to be worthy. And that's why there's so much focus on male leadership. Though in mm. our church, we have, the young, we have the oldest female organization in the world. Like, I mean, there may be other ones I don't know about, but I know that in America, at least, it's the oldest female organization, uh, the Relief wow. Society. And so it's run by women um, and, and men don't attend. Um, but um, I just think that th this concept that we are the help meet concept where we are equals that help each other um, gets lost. Um, and it's in those cultures. It's in all cultures. But for some reason, just like, you know, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, we got these beautiful words <laughs> and we got some great intentions. But then when it comes to practice, we see these serious failures, serious like malformations of behavior and thought and per perversity of language, really. Um, because what, what I mean, we train, we train each other in schools to twist language, to create false meanings, to care about to things that, yeah, to care about things that don't mean anything too, to care about winning over reason to care about winning over truth so um i think that that all of this plays in hmm. yep aho <laughs> is how i would respond to that so i guess then to end it since we're climbing in the minutes and who knows how many people are actually gonna read listen to this whole thing what what do you feel like some of the conventions are just so I have a better framework, like what would you describe a convention as being that's holding us back? Oh, there's tons. Um, uh, human feces is dangerous and has no value. <laughs> um, gotcha. Um, I, the fact that well, children have to go to school. So for, for our perspective and a lot of what, why we have even the word wild in our business and our branding is the fact that we domesticate ourselves. Yes. Yet, domestication is a product of only, at most, 20,000 years, let's say. Um, and so it's very young. Yet, what has been our evolution and what is the evolution of everything else? Like, nothing else outside of maybe fungi harvesting and maybe, you know, domestic. they're not even domesticating. They're just basically manipulating aphids. But outside of, like, a few examples that we've seen so far, everything is of the wild aspect or what we would describe as wild which changes based on language some native peoples of california would describe wild as a place that you didn't want to go and actually it was a derogatory which we still kind of use as derogatory term but it was a it was a place that was not um well kept and it hadn't been burned and therefore it was full of brambles and it was dangerous and you couldn't hunt game as easily that was what their definition of wild was so for us, we use wild in the sense of retapping into the undomestication, the release of these concepts, these cultural memes that say we do have to go, we have to go to school from kindergarten through whatever degree, and we must only, for a Western culture at least, we must squat on a porcelain throne and crap and defecate into potable water, and that's clean yet then we're going to cut down trees to wipe our butts with it. Um, all these things are pulling us away from that wild. 
they're, it's, they're all roles in domesticating ourselves. So for us, we see that the biggest first step to rewilding is recognizing that you yourself are a wild creature. And I do this a lot with children. Um, my favorite thing is saying, you know you're an animal, right? Like, no, I'm not, I'm a human. And so right then and there, that child has already been programmed through however his training or her training has been to say, I am different than everything else and I'm so different that I'm actually alien. And so that right there has severed their connection to this world. Therefore, it becomes an us versus them, which is obviously so easy to manipulate and fall trapped to as we watch with Muslim bands and whatever boogeyman we want to hate on this time versus the Chinese, or Chinese, Irish, blah, Africans, still Africans so much so today. Um, and that has been, I think, the, that's, that's the first crux. I think if we can find ways to redirect and refocus why it's awesome to be wild and why it's awesome to have that connection, it's because we can then be a greater participant and not be so alone. And that's what a lot of fear always revolves around, which is being alone. And it's being, it's being missed. It's, it's not being actually missed. It's being forgotten. And then that exacerbates in how we behave. It goes back to the, like the music industry, saying, I'm, it's me, 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 focus, 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 don't forget me, don't miss me. Um, whereas what we like to talk about is that you are forgettable. You need to be forgettable. You need to know that by you being forgettable releases you from having to prove or be some legacy uh -huh. and leave this craziness. And it's like, you know, yeah, sure we know people like Cicero or you know, Julius Caesar in our Western culture, but we don't know anything about the Chinese emperors, yet they know everything about their... It's like, sure, you're remembered, but you're actually still forgotten. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful to become forgotten because it brings about a certain peace. At least it does for myself. And part of that is also attached to death. So... It's the fear of death. It's the, I need to get all this before I'm done. I need to go off through all my bucket list. I need to, like, all these needs and shoulds wrap itself around. And then you just become <clears throat> addicted and a part of having to fulfill the, quote, rat race needs. Yeah, the animals are always in the moment. Um, in the wilderness, there's only the moment. There's no future. There is a past, but it's all encapsulated in that moment. Um, What's so interesting is, you know, these stories that we pass on, um, you know, Adam and Eve, in my mind, it seems like uh, they could do no wrong, right? So they're living in this Eden where they could do no wrong. So they're animals living by instinct in an ecosystem that was balanced where they could do not. And then they cut down a tree or they ate the, from the forbidden fruit or they... And the, the funny thing about the forbidden fruit was it was knowledge. And no one ever talks about this. I always think about the timing of it all and the story and everything. And I'm like, was the forbidden fruit hunting or something? Or what was the knowledge they gained? Was it fire? Was the knowledge they gained like that kicked them out? Because it was the knowledge they gained that kicked them out. Not the, you know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, it was the act. It was like, yeah, but it was because they didn't want them to get the knowledge of good and evil. So what was it? Was it agriculture? 
You know what I mean? It's like there's there's so much right there, uh, and they're all part of our stories and patterns, some of our deepest stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The question of, I mean, I don't know if you know Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is a beautiful story, um, considered older than the Bible, um, and it's about uh, Ikindu. Well, Gilgamesh is king. He gets uh, he uh, goes on all these adventures. Uh, the wild man Ikindu. Do you know this story? No, you can continue. Oh man. Okay, so wild I've man Ikindu um, was someone he met and he battled in the wilderness and they couldn't beat each other. So this king, this unbelievable Babylonian king, couldn't best this wild man Ikindu. Or no, he did beat him. They didn't kill each other. They did. He beat him and then Ikindu remained loyal forever. And then they went on these quests and then Ikindu died. And Gilgamesh was like, wait, we can die? And uh, yeah, and so like, that's like the first, one of the first earliest stories is that we have men that go out and find and civilize and domesticate other men and bring them to the cities and then they learn of death. Mm. And then he's like, how do I live forever? And he goes and find Upta Napishta, which is Noah. And Noah's like, well, the floods came and killed everyone except me and, and, my, and my, my progeny, but I, I, I have eternal life, so I'm stuck here. And like, Uptanapishta is the only person that has eternal life. And uh, Gilgamesh is like, what am I gonna do? And Uptanapishta is like, yeah, you just live your life and you die. And it's like this huge like existential like, and it's one of, it's one of our earliest stories that we have. There's tons of earlier stories, of course, that we don't have. But um, this idea of wildness has always, and, and domestication is in our earliest stories. And so um, what's wild, uh, to, to, to be punny, about it is that we don't recognize, I mean, we, 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 we long for the Eden, we talk about returning to it. In our church we have the millennium where we put the world back into order. It's act- mm-hmm. It sounds so like permaculture. You know, we're going to rewild all the landscapes back to the wilderness that it was when the world was Edenic, um, which is totally in in line with what I'm doing. Um, and so it's I just see all these earlier religions, the, the Eden, the paradise. It's, it's going to be here and we're going to have to build it. Um, and we are our own. Our, I mean, people talk about being the hands of God, being our own saviors, answers to our own prayers. It's like, yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. see all these things in a way that allows me both to like couch it in myself so it's truth, but it is also in a way that allows, and it's probably because all my training as a teacher, but it allows me to communicate to everyone else about it too in a way that touches their modality. That's excellent. Yeah, I really appreciate that you have that background and training because <clears throat> I taught one year out of college I was an apprentice or a fellow at an inner city school in Chicago and I was an assistant teacher for high school Mm. and predominantly 98% African-American 2% Latino zero white school in North Lawndale one of the poorest it still has brownstones that were bombed out during the riots after Martin Luther King was murdered by our government Um, and it was really challenging and eye-opening and I was like I am too young to teach I've, I cannot be a mentor. This is teaching is way more than just providing rote information. It's 
about being a role model. It's about being a guide. It's about being a safe space for children to find themselves. And I am not there yet <laughs> at all. And I'm acknowledging it and I'm stepping out because wow. I do not want to be a disservice to these children. And I love children. I've worked at a camp, summer camp for kids with HIV and AIDS the year before. Um, Camp Heartland at the time, I don't know what the name of it is anymore, but it was beautiful and just such a humbling experience to be able to witness these kids and watch my little eight-year-old and 10-year-olds, depending on the week I was being counselor, have to put down eight pills that were horse pills that I would choke on and then just crying, being like, I just don't want to do this. And just seeing that, and I'm like, okay, I gotta, gotta really find myself before I and just like our relationships, like we were talking about, find myself and feel whole so that when I do want to provide value and give back and be of service to others, I'm ready for it. Yeah. And I feel much more st stable in that, in that world, in that sense now for myself. You were saying um, the, the Eden aspect. And Lola and I, we, we really do not agree or do not appreciate the disservice of saying that uh, heaven is this place that we go to and things will be all okay. Heaven is here on this planet Earth. It is Eden. It can be Eden again. It just takes us willing to do the action and also make the sacrifices in some aspects. And I look at myself and the things I, I own and the things I consume and there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen on my own front too. And we're, we're moving through it. And it can't be something like those diet crazes where it's like, give up everything for this and you know work really hard and then you just flip-flop and vacillate back and forth between being obese and being sick and being obese and being sick. So it's about finding that balance too with it. But I really appreciate that you also see and acknowledge that there's Eden is here. Mm, it really is. And I, the thing is, I've learned so much about language. You know, I was an English major at NYU and I was always a writer. Um, that you know you read these texts and these words there's so many synonyms and so much overlap between so many of the words that a lot of the people when you start really getting into it these images that we have in our heads they're not what's on the paper <laughs> you know and so it's like just I mean and that's just us talking about about like religion you know and that's why there's so much argument in it just mm -hmm. in our day-to-day -day lives, it's the same exact thing, where people don't have an, eye, an image that matches what they're saying. They're like, I'm this, but you're saying that, and you're doing that, you know? And so it's like, it's all about getting us to verbalize what we're actually doing, actually thinking, what we actually wanna be, and then aligning those things. Because the reality is people wanna be good, people wanna be successful, people wanna be seen as good and seen as successful. No one wants to be seen as a jerk. No one wants to be seen as unsuccessful. So all this stuff that we have that is layered, and these, those are reactions. Mm -hmm. and we just got to get past those breakers and out to sea. <laughs> <laughs> out to the calm. And then weather the storm when the storm does show up. And yeah, because it will. What would you say, what are kind of a couple of things that you would see as being important to instill in our future generations and our children, basically. Okay, what you see so as being to lead us to a new paradigm or, a, or this Eden on Earth. 
So the number one thing is we have to give kids incredible amounts of responsibility, more responsibility than we think that they can handle. But then we are there as assistants to catch things, to, to help, to jump in and say, oh, uh, watch out, you know. But, but we need to be able to give them as much responsibility as possible. Um, I didn't understand what was going on when I was an advisor um, to the young man's group at our church. And, but I was like, why are we advising them? They're not making any decision. They're just sitting around like arguing about what to do. Let's just tell them to do this activity. And this guy next to me was just the bishop. And I'm like, why are you an assistant? You're the bishop. You should be doing this and that. The guy's like shaking his head at me and chuckling. And he's like, how are they going to learn how to be leaders? And I was like, I, what? And I, and, and then I started studying more and more as a teacher. And I realized, you know, uh, the guy who said, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead, was 12 years old when he got his first medal of, of, uh, of honor and distinction in the Navy. And that was because he was wounded and he took over someone else's ship. He joined the Navy when he was age nine. My great-grandfather joined the Navy when he was 11 or 12. His parents had to sign off. These individuals that we go back and look at through history, we have boy kings that were leading armies and were excellent fighters. We have so much, I, I mean, I'm not condoning fighting, I'm not condoning, I mean, look at Mozart. Yeah, you're, just, you're just showing the potential Right, and the so all these age. kids, I went, I went through all this stuff with like subbing and, and I saw these kids with incredible intelligence capacity being denigrated, having to read children's books because they don't know how to read because no one ever really taught them because no one took the time to reach them. And so it's like there's so much potential there that we just got to empower them and free them so that they can do it. And that means we need to get them early enough before they lose their enthusiasm. So we're talking about the age of leadership and wonder, curiosity and accomplishment. We're talking about fourth and fifth grade. We need fourth and fifth grade to be the time of little leaders. And they're doing big projects, they're growing. And the reality is if we took all the fifth graders and taught them all how to farm, 30 to 40% of our food would be taken care of by elementary schools. I appreciate it when you were saying that in the talk. So, so I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's really, we don't understand what our kids are capable of because we've been giving them to experts at the, the local school to, to work with. Meanwhile, they're not doing anything uh, to, to work with your child. They're working with the group. And that's totally different. They may take a moment to talk to your child or to give your child attention, but they're treating your child as a part of a group, and that's totally different. So leadership, teaching them so that they can be the teacher of that class doesn't usually happen in schools. Um, and if it does, it usually happens later. So yeah. I would say number one thing for our youth is to empower them um, by giving them leadership roles and then give them real information so that they can make good decisions in those leadership roles. So, you know, give them actual information on permaculture, give them actual information on natural building, um, on all the different uh, philosophies and the different positive leaders. Um, one of the greatest crimes, I think, is the fact that history is taught from the perspective of war, crime, and I'm talking about big crimes, right? Genocide, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. 
and boundary changes and, and all that. I mean, we could be talking about our heroes anyway. But but yeah, starting things off positively, leadership, real information. I totally agree with both of those things. And that's one of the reasons why we chose to have our child, both childs, now Lyra's getting out of daycare, um, in a Waldorf-inspired preschool and school. Because mm-hmm. Rudolf Steiner, an amazing person who I didn't realize did as much as he did in his time. He was like an actual Renaissance man. Um, he wants to teach the whole person. And it's, again, the whole holism. The actual that there's not just this finite thing of, no, we're just going to dive into math. It's kind of like why you kind of got ousted from teaching or you self-ousted yourself and been like, what do you mean I can't talk about math when I'm just the English teacher? Like, why do I have to be in this pigeonhole? And I, I, when you said that, I was like, yes, I totally agree with that. Um, because then we get in that weird situation that we're currently in that a lot of the permaculture mentors talk about, which is the siloing of information. And so there's no cross-communication. There's not the fungal network to communicate across. And it's the same thing with our plant and animal species. If we cannot communicate because we've siloed ourselves so much in the human form and also putting ourselves on a pedestal so that we're better and that everything was given to us by God to then be a beast of burden and et cetera, depending on which perspective you want to take on it, um, we lose that ability to respond faster to catastrophe. We can't hear the canary in the coal mine because we've lost the language of the canary. We can't hear the death of the trees because we've lost the communication between their rhizomes and their roots and the fungal network. And it's the same thing with our children that if we just, you know, give this narrow bandwidth and don't, and almost treat them as if they're not able to handle, you know, there's certain things you don't need to engage a child with. It just, there's certain things that they don't need to learn or experience at this moment and stage, but they can see such a bigger part of the world than we think that they can handle. And they really do. And I do this with language with my son and my daughter. But I use large words. And it's not to make them become more elite or, you know, be, be a, a word monger or anything that's going to be kind of like make them a jerk in a way. It's more just because I know that if I can say soft or I'm trying to think of another word that's blanking on me right now, but just using a different word to describe an instance and then also backtrack and give them the easier word as well so that they can put the connection with it, why not do that? Why do I have to just use fast all the time when I could say that was explosive or it was... <laughs> blanking all my words right now. <laughs> Instantaneous. Anything like that. You know, where I can put that new language because it's so much more colorful. And it gives them an ability to be like, oh, yeah, I can use that and expand their their capacity. And it always shocks me when my child uses it in the totally correct usage in their language later. I'm like, whoa, that was three weeks later and you used it perfectly. And you haven't said it since then that I've noticed. Yeah, it's it goes there. in the soup. It all goes, in, it goes the soup. in the soup. And that's the thing. It's like once they have an organized self and they know themselves they can navigate it like nothing and it seems like magic. You're like, oh yeah, isn't that that thing? People are like, wow, you got such a great memory. It's like, no, your mind is organized. Hmm. 
All right. Well, I appreciate the conversation. I think it's going to be too. interesting because I think we're going to end up editing it differently. And so we're going to have two very Wow, that was an incredible journey of discussion with Tigre Pickett. He is awesome. I love that guy. And you know what? He is so earnest in his striving for truth for um, what would be centropic. And I, I just want to salute that. And I want to salute you guys for sticking it out, for listening to this all the way through. I want to thank you for choosing to live regeneratively, for choosing to rewild for exploring new ways of being with nature. Thank you so much for doing that. And this week, I hope that you embrace more rewilding and more regeneration in your life. All right, guys, have a wonderful week. From an abundant future, live more regenerative.